Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. Beware of hereditary sin that you pass on, either to your kids or any future children that you may have. It's an incredible thing when a man of God changes his family legacy. I have huge respect for men of the Redemption Church who are doing exactly that. I have huge respect for my own father who did exactly that. Beware that you don't pass on or bequeath, if you will, to your kids failures, traps, downfalls, sin. Here's Joshua chapter 16, beginning in verse 5. This is the territory of the descendants of Ephraim by their clans. The border of their inheritance went from Ataroth Adar on the east to Upper Beth Huron. In the north, the border went westward from Mechmechthas. It turned eastward from Te'enath Shiloh and passed east of Genoa. From Genoa, it descended to Adaroth and Naira, then reached Jericho and went to the Jordan. From Tapua, the border went westward along the Brook of Cana and ended at the Mediterranean Sea. Given recent events, this is important to emphasize. The western border of Israel and every, every tribal allocation always went to uh, the Mediterranean Sea and the farthest west tribes. It still does today. This is just what God decreed. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the descendants of Ephraim or Ephraim uh, by their clans together with the cities set apart for the descendants of Ephraim within the inheritance of the descendants of Manasseh, all these cities with their settlements. So this verse is explaining how because the population of Ephraim was outsized given its landmass, there were some cities within the land allocated to Manasseh that were given over to Ephraim. So Here's Israel, here is Ephraim or Ephraim, and there were some cities that were here in this portion that was really allocated to the western, uh, uh, the western half of Manasseh's inheritance. And so it's just to accommodate the, the outsized population of Ephraim. In verse 10, we see something unique. The story of, of Israel and Joshua is, is collectively one of phenomenal success, but we're starting to see glimpses of tiny cracks that will give way to failures that are passed on to future generations of Israelites. However, they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. So the Canaanites still live in Ephraim today, but they are forced laborers. Now, this is the first mention we see of idolaters being allowed to live. There were people who worshiped false gods, but particularly the, the practice of idolatry, of idol worship uh, in, in Gezer was allowed to persist. God was very picky about this. Uh, it was because those practices had a way of influencing his own people. The people of God feel conspicuous. They're not worshiping the same way the people around them are. Does this resonate with you, Seattle Christian? They're conspicuous. They stand out and they want to blend in. And so they start taking on some of the practices around them. Historically, when it comes to Israel, and I believe even today, when it comes to modern, otherwise, who would be very biblically based pastors, they're influenced by the women in their lives. And that was the case for ancient Israel. In fact, this was the stratagem that Balaam suggested that would ultimately lead to a defeat for Israel at one point. He said, look, just send in some women who practice idolatry. The men of Israel will fall for them. And then the practices will, will go and then they'll lose their anointing from God. And it happens today. It happens today. This was this was how idolatry sort of began uh, profligating among the people of God. 
it wasn't that they lacked faith in God. It was that they oftentimes married into idolatrous practices. Now, this forced labor thing, this is weird, right? God never prescribed this. In fact, here's the instructions, Deuteronomy 20, verse 16. However, you must not let any living thing survive among the cities of these people the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. All the way back in Deuteronomy, inspired by God through Moses. There's the instructions, and there's the disobedience in today's text. This forced labor thing was a common practice throughout Canaan when they got there. Here's uh, 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 6. This forced labor practice, never, pres- never prescribed by God, uh, you know, it was something that God delivered Israel from themselves. So there's, there's a modicum of hypocrisy in this, that they, the, former, the descendants of the former slaves of Egypt, would then begin practicing uh, effectively chattel slavery, uh, albeit not ethnically based. Here's 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 6. Ahishar in charge of the palace and Adonoram son of Abda in charge of forced labor. This is Alec, these, this guy had a job in the book of First Kings, uh, and he was put in charge of the forced laborers. First Kings chapter nine, verse 21. Their descendants who remain in the land after them, those whom the Israelites were unable to destroy completely, Solomon imposed forced labor on them. It is still this way today. And so and by writing today, we're talking about in the era of the kings. This was, this was instituted by Solomon, and that's a long way in the future from our present text. Here it is, this forced labor thing, and you can see the crack from whence this weed grew, and it was right here in verse 10. They didn't totally drive out idolatry, and uh, they allowed them to live, but they allowed them to live as forced laborers. And so every generation after Joshua's had this precedent, at least when it came to Gezer, of allowing forced labor all the way through the people who succeeded Joshua and uh, the era of the judges going into the monarchical years of Israel uh, through Saul and David. And then evidently Solomon, according to First Kings, would allow forced labor to persist. Beware of the sins that you pass on to your kids or the future kids that you might have. Let your testimony be one not of bequeathing sin and failure, but one of a radical change. Let your kids bear witness to your repentance and let that be the legacy instead.